There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When Diplomacy Fails presents... Hello and welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Hey guys, welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Hello and welcome to Hello When Diplomacy Hello and welcome fails. to When Diplomacy Fails. A project five years in the making. The Franco-Prussian War. The Seven Years War. Of the When Diplomacy Fails special on Napoleon. The Crimean War. To When Diplomacy Fails special on World War I the Dutch Revolt To the When Diplomacy Fails special on the Thirty Years War The July Crisis Anniversary Project The Swedish Deluge Britain Goes to War The 1916 To the Franco-Dutch War of 1672 This is When Diplomacy Fails Remastered Surprise! Yeah, bet you didn't see this coming, did you? Welcome, guys. Welcome, history friends, patrons, all. I'm really, really excited. And if you're reading the title right now, you can see why. We got Kevin Stroud on the podcast. We got Mr. History of English himself on the podcast for our five-year birthday. Obviously, this is a huge deal. But before we go any further, I need to emphasize something. This will leave some of you feeling very mad. This will leave some of you feeling quite smug. It's probably going to divide opinion. Don't worry, I've already received permission to do this. But let's just say this interview is in two parts. This is the first part, obviously. But the second part is only available to people who are patrons of this podcast. In other words, if you want to listen to the second part of this interview, guys, you will have to sign up and become a diplomat. Which means you'll be paying $5 every month, and you'll get extra awesome content like this. I did tell you that the extra feed was going to be lighting up soon, so I suppose that's kind of an advanced warning. And I mean, this is before we even start the massive project. It's purely, nakedly, obviously designed to get interest and attention focused on the podcast and get people here just before it kicks off. And I think it'll be successful in that, but I just felt like you guys needed to be informed, really, about why I was doing this. And I think it's kind of obvious why I'm doing this. I want people to sign up and be patrons. And 
In order to do that, I need to offer the best content to the extra patron people. And, well, this second part of the interview with Kevin Stroud was really awesome content. Still, you're going to get pretty good content here if you've never heard Kevin Stroud before outside of his History of English podcast format, then essentially this first part of the interview is all about podcasting, all about how he does it, why he does it, what he would rather do instead if he had the choice, and really how great it's all been for him. In many ways, he talks about Patreon as well and how great that's been for him. It's essentially because of the likes of Patreon, he's able to do it part-time as his job, which is obviously fantastic. And of course, as my wife would say, it is life aims. So what I'm looking for you guys here is, well, basically don't be too mad. If you're really annoyed right now that, well, you won't be able to listen to the two parts of this interview, I am sorry, but hey, sometimes I gotta be, like, business-like, and this is one of those times. I know for a fact you guys will enjoy this first part of the interview, so if you don't want to listen to the second part, I mean, you're, the world's not going to end, but, I mean, hey, if you hate me right now, go ahead, hate me. To be honest, you're getting so much stuff for free, I couldn't really be bothered. That's the truth. For once, I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to say, there it is. And yes, before you say anything, Kevin Stroud has authorized this. He said it was fine. I asked him straight up. I said, hey, Kevin, is it okay if I offer the second part of this interview for patrons? And he said, Zach, when diplomacy fails is the best podcast in the universe. Of course you can. Okay, he said that second part. The first part's a bit iffy, but hey, you can't prove anything. Alrighty, let's get started with this. Obviously, I'm really, really excited. For those of you that just stopped by, coming out of nowhere, and you just kind of heard that this was going down, welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. My name is Zach, and this is the five-year anniversary. We are running wild, and this, perhaps, is the best proof of just how wild this podcast really is. Remember, this is When Diplomacy Fails, and this is where history thrives. Enjoy, guys. It's been a long time coming. Okay, history friends, today on the podcast, we have a very special guest and quite a big surprise, really. I've been sitting on this for a while, and I'm very excited and very happy to welcome Kevin Stroud to the podcast. Welcome, Kevin. How's it going? Hi, Zach. I'm doing great. I hope you are. I am. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know you're you're a busy man, a busy podcaster, and doing pretty well. Just in case people don't know, <laughs> somehow don't know, what podcast are you responsible for? Well, I'm responsible for the History of English podcast, which is a podcast about the history of the English language. Cool, cool, yeah. And I must say, um, I was recently talking to, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, his, name is, his name is Anna, but he runs the blog Anna's a Man. And he basically reviews history podcasts, but he was saying when he's tired or when he's not really in the mood for podcasts kind of thing, yours is the podcast he listens to kind of thing. And I think your your podcast in the kind of history podcasting sphere is kind of like the podcast that history podcasters listen to, if that makes sense. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I have, you know, people contact me sometimes and tell me that they like to listen to my podcast when they go to bed. It puts them to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and they always say it in a positive way. But I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if that's positive or negative. But uh, yeah, maybe it has kind of a soothing quality to it. Hopefully I think it, it does. does. I think it does. And I think yeah. the voice is important as well. And uh, we'll, we'll get into this, of course, as well. But with, I mean, with pronunciation and stuff, it's almost like, have you ever heard the expression that like watching other people work is like really relaxing? 
Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah. we we can <laughs> tell because we can tell you put so much effort into it and it takes such effort to put out. I think that's what makes it relaxing. It's like you're doing all the work for us kind of thing. <laughs> Well, I can relate to that. I, I do put a lot of work into it. I think I, I can't speak for other history podcasters, but the the podcast that I do requires a lot of research. And in fact, about you know eighty to ninety percent of my time is spent researching, and then about the the other ten or fifteen twenty percent is spent you know recording and editing and doing all the technical stuff. But yeah, it's it's very uh, research intensive. But I. That's the part I enjoy. The, mm. To me, that's I wouldn't do the podcast otherwise. It, it, to me, I just love digging into the, the old text and, and the language and, and trying to tie it into historical events and develop themes and tell a story. And then really, that's what it is. Ultimately, it's it's telling a story. Good history, podcasting or, or teaching is really just telling a story, a good story. And that's the way I look at it. Absolutely. I would I would I would agree emphatically with you on that. I think the most important part of the, the history is the story. I mean, the word is in is in is in the is in the word itself. So exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, I'd like to since we kind of jumped into that, I'd like to talk a bit about just a bit about your kind of process for an episode. I mean, I've always found it really interesting talking to other podcasters about how long it takes them to do kind of an episode like in in their actual schedule because i know myself i kind of i obviously wouldn't go as deep as you would go in terms of detail and <laughs> i'm kind of known for butchering pronunciations so let's not get into that but as far as kind of historical events goes i mean they either happened or they didn't happen but with yourself i mean you have to look so deep into the kind of material and of course that's what made your podcast so kind of it really made it stand out amongst the crowd because it is so detailed and it is so kind of concise and succinct and there's a lot of information there. So, I mean, let's talk about, say, averages. I mean, how long, maybe speaking in terms of hours, because <laughs> I think that's the safest way to measure it, but, I mean, how long would the average process take for episode making? When I originally started the podcast, I was trying to release an episode every two weeks. And before I ever began the podcast, I had done a lot of the research for the first 20 episodes or so in advance, and I was able to maintain that schedule. Now, I, I caught up to my research you know, some time ago, and so now I release an episode about every three weeks. That's my goal anyway. Sure. And I would say on average, I've never really tried to think in terms of hours, but probably about 15 to 20 hours of research mm. per episode. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm figuring, you know, the first couple of weeks I spend researching and trying to develop the story. And that's maybe being conservative because, you know, one hour a day would be, what, 14 hours. So it's probably more than that. I would say at least 20 hours an episode. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the, the, the final week is kind of spent when I have time developing the the story and the episode narrative and tweaking it and usually editing and scaling it back because it's too long. <laughs> and, and then at the very end, literally the last day or two is when I record it. So yeah, it's, it's a whole process. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. And I mean, I, I, it's funny how you mentioned the whole, the whole editing kind of process there. I mean, do you, I would imagine someone with content like yourself, I mean, you have to obviously be, very careful with attention to detail and everything, making sure that every single word is pronounced right. Because, 
as you know, <laughs> people are listening, so they will let you know if something goes wrong. But I mean, does the does the kind of recording? I'd say it would take a lot longer than the likes of myself. I don't want to be as careful when I'm talking about events or 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 words or anything like that. But would you really be kind of watching your tongue, or would you just kind of rely on editing to kind of fix anything that might go wrong? Well, I don't like to edit an episode after it's been recorded. I have done that. If there's some, if there's a a statement that I make that is so off base that I, it just bothers me. I'll go back and fix it. And I've done that a few times, but usually if there's a criticism, it's pretty minor, maybe a pronunciation or something, but, uh, and, and that I don't tend to worry about too much, but I will say that my normal process is when I, I go through, I edit the episode, I post it, and then I sit back and wait for, all the criticisms to come in. Uh, because it happens. I mean, every episode, there's always going to be, someone's going to find, and it's not someone, it's usually several people will point out errors along the way. But that that's going to happen, especially if it's as detailed you know, as, as I like to produce them. And, and like I said, usually 99% of the time, it's something very, very technical, uh, like a pronunciation issue or something like that. And like I said, I don't worry too much about that. But if I get the facts wrong, I mean, I just completely misstate something, then that to me is more important. And like I said, if, if that fortunately doesn't happen very often where I just completely botch something. That's why I spend so much time trying to get it right in the first place. Mm-hmm. But if that happens, I have gone back and, and tweaked it and fixed it just to make sure it's as a- accurate as possible. Yeah. But again, the, the facts are important to me. The pronunciations, I try to get as close as I can. But there's a disclaimer in the podcast that, you know, I, I'm just trying to present some idea of what the words sounded like. And frankly, a lot of the words are reconstructed. Mm. And even and even and so, so there isn't really an attested example of the word. So it's just sort of a, a this is the best idea scholars have as to what the word would have been. But beyond that. You know, scholars don't even agree how words are pronounced when you get back into Proto-Indo-European and some of these early languages. So I I at least have that to protect me. I can always say, (laughs) well, you know, don't blame me. They, you know, scholars don't even agree. And and as I always like to point out, I'm not a linguist. I'm not a professional historian. I'm I'm an attorney by trade. So, you know, I as I said, I, I always I try to do the best I can with it. But inevitably, you know, there are going to be mistakes along the way. And and again, it's just a judgment call as to whether it's significant enough to actually go back and and tweak or change an episode after it's posted. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, I, I wanted to just ask you, because you mentioned, and I noticed the general trend in the history of English, the episodes got, they got gradually longer as, as, as you went on. Uh, was there, was that, was that kind of like, you just decided to get more in detail? I mean, you said you didn't want to go too long. So how long is too long? Well, originally, I begin the story at the very, very beginning. So it begins with the story of the Indo-Europeans, which are believed to be the ultimate linguistic ancestors, not only of English, but really of almost all European languages. And as I said, I had a basic idea when I began uh, as to how to present that. And and so I was able to break it up into pieces that were 35, 45 minutes an episode. And really, when I got into the old English period is when I changed my tact a little bit and was trying to think about how to present old English words and the development of the language. And I, I sort of stumbled across the idea of presenting it in, in, 
in a theme. So I would develop old English words around the events that were happening politically or socially and try to develop a theme in, within the episode. And that's really what expanded the episode because in order to develop the theme and discuss what was happening socially or politically, I needed time to do that and at the same time discuss the etymology of the words. And so that kind of made the episodes a little bit longer. But I, I as a general rule, try not to exceed an hour. I think for any podcast, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and if they're much longer than an hour, I just don't have the time or yeah. the attention span to dedicate to it. And particularly for a history podcast or something that's more detailed, detail oriented, uh, it, you know, it becomes very, very you know, tiring after a while to of keep course. listening. And so for me, I, I like to have them. Ideally, uh, ideally, I would like to have even shorter episodes. But but, yeah, I try to keep it within an hour. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, no, that's a good it's a fair enough aim. Like, I know with myself, when I first started out, I was actually the reversal to you. I was far less, uh, far less, I really didn't have my time schedule down at all. I went over an hour most of the time and then kind of realized as I went on what worked and what didn't. And I also figured out it was less work for myself because if I can split an hour long or so episode into two, then, I mean, this is kind of breaking the fourth wall, but like I can split it into two episodes and then release them staggered. So it's it's less work in a way, but then, yeah, I see what you mean. Well, the good um, thing about a podcast is there's really no limit. You can do as, as long as you would like. Uh, I know that, that Dan Carlin is considered one of the primary history podcasters, and his episodes are, what, three or four hours each. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the as I said, for me, I try to keep it a little shorter and more consistent. You know, you, again, that goes back to the theme, the idea, you know, well, I can break this episode in, into two parts. Well, if it's all connected with a common theme, I can't really break it into two parts. And that's mm -hmm. why sometimes the episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's keep getting longer. In fact, the, the most recent episode I, I've produced is the longest I've ever produced. It was about oh, an hour right. and 15 minutes. And I actually actually built in a little intermission in the middle because it was so long. <laughs> but but it was all based around the common theme. And I didn't feel like I could break it up. I needed to keep those pieces tied together. But, you know, that's just one of the many issues you have to deal with when you're trying to, to put these episodes together. And so uh, but it's the fun part, too. You know, it's kind of a challenge, like putting together a puzzle and it's part of the fun at the same time. 
Mm, absolutely. I, I, we really do seem to agree on, on a lot of things with podcasting. That's good. That's a good sign. And it's interesting that you mentioned Dan Carden as well, because he's generally the person that comes to mind when you think of long form podcasts. And really, you have to have the patience. And I suppose Dan Carden would say as well, well, I'm continuing on with the same theme, so I couldn't possibly like right. stop right. what I'm doing and, and come back some other time. But I think like he might need to do an audiobook treatment if he goes any longer because really I would lose my place after like after I go back to it I mean I have one of those old style iPods that doesn't necessarily always track where you were in the episode so right. it can be very annoying when you exit it and I mean like the likes with yourself when I listen to yours I always appreciate that you can kind of get the whole story in in one commute or what have you or in one run so it's it's always nice to be able to get that in one go. I like I like the idea of having a beginning and an ending and having it all tied together and be around the same length each time because it creates consistency. But like I said, you know, it, you just try to, to make it work as best you can. But uh, you know, the good thing, as I said, about podcasting is there you can kind of do whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you can make it your own as well. I, I find, I mean, if Dan Carlin's known for, for long-form podcasts, I want to be known for having a, a, a like 30, 40 minutes, maybe 45 at the very most. I, it makes my OCD senses happy when, <laughs> when nearly all my episodes are of the same length. I don't know if you have any OCD senses as well. but I, Yeah, I just like consistency. I, a lot of people are trying to do podcasts these days or doing podcasts and, and quite a few, you know, from time to time, I get emails saying, you know, what advice do you have to give? And the primary advice that I give to anyone trying to start a podcast is consistency. Mm. Try to maintain a regular schedule, whatever it is, whether it's weekly or monthly or whatever, just so your your audience kind of has an expectation as to when to look for the next episode and try to be consistent within the episode. So tr- you know, it doesn't have to be the exact same length, but if you're going to do 30 minute episodes, you know, keep it 30 minutes if you can and and just maintain that consistency more than anything else. I think that's important. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I try my very best to do that. It doesn't always work out. You always have to make room for tangents, whether they come up or not. I mean, I say sure. they, I say with yourself, I mean, have you ever had a very, very concrete plan? And then next thing you know, you're going into a side note that you never planned on going into. And next thing you know, you're kind of making a whole episode out of that side note. That's pretty much every episode, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I have a general idea when I start what I want to discuss. But once I get into it, and it's funny because sometimes the, the trickiest part of an episode is trying to come up with a title. And sometimes when you come up with a title, the title kind of dictates the episode. That's what happened in the most recent episode. Uh, I was talking about the Crusades and, and words that passed from the, the Near East and Arabic and Persian and Sanskrit into English. Sure. One of the themes I was focusing on was traitors, uh, T-R-A-D-E-R-S. Right. But then it kind of – there also – Hidden in the background was a separate theme that I wasn't really going to explore about traitors, T-R-A-I-T-O-R-S. And right, I thought, oh, okay. that's interesting. You know, there, you know, that's make for a neat title. So that's the title of the episode, Traitors and Traitors. <laughs> but then that made me want to explore that a little bit further, which enabled me to, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, 
King John before he was King John. He was the younger, you know, younger brother of, of Richard the Lionheart was kind of plotting behind Richard's back while Richard was off on crusade. Yeah. But also I was able to talk about the Knights Templar who developed the first banking system. And if you know the history of the Knights Templar, they were later accused of heresy and in part became too rich and powerful. And so that was something I wasn't going to explore as much. But having, you know, kind of developed this theme of traitors, I, you know, it enabled me to go into that. So that's just a, a long extended example. But yeah, you you know, you don't really know when you get started where you're going to end up. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. You are on Patreon as well, isn't that correct? And my, my, yes. listeners, my listeners would know because... I have not shut up about Patreon since I joined it with When Diplomacy Fails, but I found it really, really useful, especially having launched a, a members feed. Do you find with, with kind of members feed episodes, it, it helps you kind of flesh out those side notes that you wanted to address? It does. In fact, when I, when I began Patreon a little less than a year ago, partly the idea was to offer bonus content. And I find within each episode, you know, I mentioned that I have to edit them down to keep them within the one hour time limit that I like to use. And that inevitably meant there was stuff left out. And that was the idea is I could take that extra material that was just being kind of thrown away and not being used. And I could just develop that as bonus content and provide it in, in that way. And I still do that. I try to release a bonus episode on Patreon between each regular episode of the podcast. Sometimes it's it's extra material that didn't get included in the regular episode. And sometimes it's just something completely, you know, different. It's not related at all. So it varies. But uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoy Patreon. And frankly, had it not been for Patreon and, and you know, the, the ability for listeners to support what I'm doing, uh, now, I wouldn't be able to do it as regularly as I am. I, mean, I mentioned the number of hours required yeah. to do the research. You know, I still have a regular job as well, and I would not be able to dedicate that kind of time to it. I, I would still do the podcast, but instead of an episode every three weeks, it might be every three months. Yeah. So, you know, but, the, but maintaining that regular schedule is really essential to, to have that support. And I've been very fortunate in that, you know, a lot of listeners have been willing to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't I can't really emphasize enough how great Patreon even I've, I've only been in less than a month and already I'm amazed like my biggest regret is that I didn't join it sooner really sure feel the same way well I'm I'm very happy that I'm, I'm so happy that Patreon gives the likes of yourself a chance to make content like this because like we were saying earlier on with making a good story I mean because you appreciate that it means that you're histo- I mean I don't know how how well you were taught history in school but for me it was like literally a series of dates and and because it's Ireland it was like this is what the British did wrong and this is why mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is like why Ireland's great all that kind of thing so I had a great history teacher in high school that that oh, okay. made it very interesting and, and he taught world history and I think that's probably why I have an interest in history and why I have a particular interest in world history. You know, as, as you know, having listened to my podcast, it's mm-hmm. it's ultimately a podcast about English, but it's more than that. You know, I, I elected to tell the story chronologically and I elected to tell the development, the story of the development of the language in conjunction with social and political events that were happening at the same time and trying to weave all that together into a you know a 
chronological story. And so it is in many ways, it's the history of English, but it's also the history of, of the English speaking people uh, or the people who spoke the languages that gave birth to English. And so it, it is, it's, it's, you know, it, it's a lot of world history in there. I, I sort of think of it as, as a linguistic history of the Western world as opposed to a political history or social history. Uh, it's just telling the same history, but from a slightly different perspective. Sure, yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I, actually, I did want to ask about kind of, because I always appreciate it about your podcast, because, I mean, <laughs> not knowing anything about, like, your podcast, if I knew it was about the history of English and didn't know your style or anything like that, I'd be like, oh, well, linguistic, linguistics is just, like, it can be very dull. So, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect, but then, I mean, listening to it, fleshing out all the details as you do i mean i obviously really appreciate that because my podcast is about like wars and diplomacy and all that kind of thing right. so context is essential so with, with your own historical interests let's put it this way if you weren't doing a history of english podcast what kind of podcast would you do that's a good question when i originally thought about doing a podcast my original idea was to do a podcast about law i'm a you know as i mentioned i'm an attorney by trade and that's really sure. my my background my initial idea actually was to think about, you know, was was considering doing a legal podcast. I don't know. I just was kind of bored with the idea even after I thought about it that, you know, I, I wasn't really sure I wanted to do it. And I was much more intrigued with the idea of, of developing a podcast about the history of English. Uh, no one was really doing that. It seemed like mm. a kind of unique idea. And it was something that I had always had an interest in. Uh, but from time to time, people will ask me, they'll say, well, you're doing a chronological history. So that means at some point you're going to come to the end. <laughs> so what are you going to do when you come to the end of the story? You know, if I if I do elect to do another podcast, it will probably be legal oriented more in, in maybe the history of law, maybe maybe combining law and language and developing it in some way. But that was that would have been the other that was the other idea I had at the time when I was first starting. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I often I like asking that because people know you as the history of English guy, so it's just funny to hear like what might have been. Maybe I always find it interesting to kind of get different people's perspectives on like the podcasts that might have come about had they had they not gone for the one that they're now yeah. like more famous for. Well, you know, I was always in, in law school. The thing that always intrigued me is we would study uh, in, in my practice. I do a lot of work with wills and trusts, and uh, I was always fascinating, fascinated to read all those stories from uh, or cases from the Middle Ages ah. about early trusts and wills and, you know, that kind of really geeky, obscure stuff. And, and that <laughs> is, is, is the basis of American law as well as you know, much of, of British law as well. We all use the same common law. And so that was really that what I was thinking about is really kind of delving into where does the idea of a trust come from? Where does the idea of a will come from? Now, to me, that's interesting because that's what I do for a living. But as I said, the more I thought about it, I, I realized I don't think very many other people outside the legal profession <laughs> would find that very interesting, even though I would. But again, you know, in the future, maybe that's something I'll explore in more detail. Sure. And I see it's got to be refreshing as well to kind of when you're finished your job. I mean, presumably this has become like, I mean, it probably started as your hobby or it either started as your passion and became your hobby or the other way around. 
So, <laughs> or maybe it was both at the same time, which is great. But I mean, either way, it's it's got to be refreshing to finish your job at the end of the day and then be able to just kind of dip into this, which you're kind of more interested in, I think. Or or maybe at least it's it's a breath of fresh air compared to the nine to five, like. Yeah, and I've I've scaled back my legal practice. I don't practice as much as I used to. Uh, I've moved in the past couple of years, and I'm I'm not physically as close to my office as I once was. Uh, I still maintain the office and I still do legal work, but not as much. And I have transitioned. Uh, it is now kind of 50% law, 50% podcasting. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to spend the time that I do researching if I, if I had not done that. But that was a conscious decision and circumstances also, you know, led to that as well. But, but I enjoy the podcasting. It's much less stressful there were many things I enjoy about practicing law. There's things I don't enjoy, but <laughs> podcasting is, you know, 90% of the time it's, it's fun. It, it, it can be stressful, particularly when you have technical issues and you have mm-hmm. a, you know, kind of a self-imposed deadline. But oh, yeah. for the most part, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Like you said, yeah, you, you, you have control over what you're doing and, and you can take it where you want to take it. And you know, like I said, it's, uh, it's something that, I'm glad I made the decision to dedicate more time to it. Mm. Well, fair play to you because I, for one, am delighted that you're producing more content. It's all—it's always great to see your episode be out and then just kind of great. Go, Thank go you. I—I I appreciate that. I really do. I'm flattered that you say that. Ah, well, absolutely. The reason why now I don't know how much you know. I have—I have told you, but I'm—I'm I'm not sure if you could recall because many because it's such a ridiculous project. But the idea of what we're doing now is this. This kind of interview will be kind of interjected into like the fifth birthday of when diplomacy fails, essentially. Right. And <laughs> and the idea is it's called five weeks to run wild, five weeks because five years. So this kind of just I just thought of this because of what you said about deadlines, self-imposed deadlines. Mm-hmm. So two episodes will be released every day for five weeks. And it's as far as I know, that's never been done before. But I wanted to do it as a kind of a thank you to my listeners kind of thing for all their support on Patreon as much as everything sure. else. But yeah, yeah. so I, I, the reason why I wanted yourself on so badly was because I wanted you to essentially kick off the, the party, if you like, because your your interview is going to be placed like really the day before it all happens. So Wow. Yeah. I didn't know I had such a prominent position. <laughs> yes, indeed, you are. You're the what would be the the name of a, a host? Uh, a host, I suppose, just host of the party. I don't know. Is, I is wouldn't that, be the MC. MC, yeah, but, uh, not exactly, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm first in line. I'll take it. Sure, sure, first in line, in charge of the drinks, in charge of there the sound system, perhaps. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I just like to get into a few kind of terms that that we'd like to talk about maybe just about like diplomacy and war and kind of like the origins of the language that go around it. I think people would be really interested to hear about that kind of stuff. I know, I know, it's a cliffhanger. Don't get angry. If you want to hear the second part, remember guys, just become a patron, become a diplomat. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash when diplomacy fails or wdfpodcast.com and click on the Patreon banner. It's very simple. And yes, I've locked it behind a paywall because I genuinely believe that, hey, I'm worth it. (laughs) And so are you. And that is why I'm giving you all the content that comes after this, none of which you do have to pay for. And you don't have to pay for anything at all. But if you want to, the option is there. Alrighty, guys. This is just the first part of, well, I suppose everything that's to come. Tomorrow this whole thing kicks off. And obviously I'm really, really excited. 
and you should be too. This is a very exciting time for When Diplomacy Fails. Whether you're a patron or not, you are a history friend, and I really, really appreciate you for stopping by. Hey, maybe you'll spread the word. Maybe you'll tell people about this. Either way, you're awesome. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll be seeing you all oh so very soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.